should make you close your eyes. Like, just close your eyes. I'm going to go live randomly. Darn it. Like, you can see it. What's up? We are live, everybody. That's that's a way to start the show, just us talking already. Uh, we need to definitely get with a graphics guy, get like a cool little intro moment, like 10 seconds, some highlights, some songs. Uh, that's yeah. going to be the next thing we do. Definitely need a little intro. What's up, everybody, mm -hmm. though? What's happening, everybody? Good to see you. I was thinking like, like a TMNT. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja. <laughs> we'll just we'll just grab a we'll just grab a theme song from somewhere else in the meantime. No. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's not like I like bought this or anything like that, but it's it's a it's copyright free, and I've been using it. So I mean, this has become the 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 song. Like I have to contact the owner, find out how to buy it from them. Yeah. It has, yeah. That's like the in and out. That's the in and out vibe. It is like that way it drops. It just drops really good. Yeah. Mike and Donatello. Yeah, I become I stay as Michael, even though Michael was a child. Uh Michelangelo was a child. So that's not me. I'm very mature for my age. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard, bro? <laughs> Tell us all how you really feel. <laughs> that's all right, guys. So today oh, we are <laughs> We're going to be reading out of Colossians today, uh, uh, diving into fun. the word of God. We haven't done this in a while because we've been doing different topics and whatnot. And I love just diving into the scripture. So what a, what a way to start this week out. Um, I know that we have oh, someone coming on the show soon. Oh, Big John Steele, Wednesday. John Steele. Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, which I probably should text him. I probably should text him and make sure everything's good on our side. But yes, yeah. Wednesday, Big John Steele is going to be on. We're going to be reading some uh, Archbishop Jonathan Blake. Yeah, his New Testament should be should be interesting. Should be. Oh, we're gonna really, read little really excerpts from all of it from his old text because he's got. I think he did Psalms. No, I think he did the the. <laughs> hold on. All right, hold on, hold on. We're gonna be doing it um on Wednesday, but let's just real quick preview, real quick. Let me see because I think he has one that if you think about even what it possibly could be, it's hilarious to even think about it. Archbishop. I almost wrote a uh, snake in the grass. Jonathan Blake. I believe yeah. he did. Uh, Solomon's. Um, let me see. Let, let me just check. I don't want to speak too. I don't want to get excited too quickly because we're not going to be able to do all of it on um, Wednesday. Uh, because he's got he has so much. In fact, so he has his 95 theses. That he did. So when he tried to break away from his church, he did a 95 Theses. He has that. We're going to look at that. The Psalms. That's right. And, and it says the Psalms in praise of love, the first safe Bible. Oh, wow. Wait. Imagine can I, that. Can I look man. at a preview right now. Because if I could do a preview right now, because like I said, we're not going to get to everything he has. I would love to pull a preview up on the screen. But I don't know if I could do that from my computer because... Yeah, you have to send the free sample to wherever you have the Kindle app, I believe. Oh, so stupid. Man. I would have to so download the, uh, the Kindle app, which I'm not going to do step, right now. Step right up and receive your own copy of a fake. Like, no, but listen, listen to me, JD. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> How are you going to sit here and say the Bible is corrupted, but then you take the Bible and you rewrite it? And then don't admit that you're the one being in charge of what is not corrupted or not. Because I asked him in our discussion, like, who decides? And he said, a worldly forum, right? I remember him saying that because I was like, well, have you held a worldly forum? Because you keep telling me what God wants. So this man went and wrote a book 
about what God really wants of us. And man, if I showed you the screenshots, I'm telling you, some of them said uh, <laughs> that Jesus went to the desert and the battle that he had with Satan was with his own inner, his inner greed, because Jesus had a, had a, had an urge to use his abilities for money, wealth, and popularity. So, you know, he knew he could use his wealth to make, uh, to turn stone to bread and make money. Like it, they, all this is what he's writing in there instead of the actual account of Lucifer, right? So it's really a yeah. self envisioning battle with one's demons and coming out triumphant. Man, we got, we got 63 people in the chat. I'm going to tell you right now, Jonathan Blake, his take on the Bible, you're better off getting your theology from, from those three dudes that like, I don't know, most of you won't know them, but I would rather like, you be a Mormon because at least you have, the, at least you have like 98% of what the Bible says. You can get the truth from there and we get you out of Mormonism because yeah. for real, if you reject the Bible the way he does, like what a Mormon, some of them aren't completely lost. You could be like, all right, listen, you, you love the Bible, right? And you could take them to the Bible. And because there's a respect for the authority of the Bible, you can teach from the Bible and get them to reject the future revelation. But if they're already locked in on the present revelation, like Jonathan Blake is making this revelation now, and whether he calls himself this or not, he's being a prophet because he's rewriting the scriptures. He's bringing forth the true message of God. That's mm. a prophet, right? So it's a claim yeah. that even though he's not verbally making it, that's what a prophet would do. He wouldn't verbally make it. He would just do what a prophet does, which yeah. is what a false prophet would also do. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't the false prophet also follow the way that a real prophet would be? Because real prophets aren't like that. They're not like, I'm a prophet. Look at me. No, they just speak with authority. Dude is serious. I mean, yes, the, yes, the other thing, like the apostle Paul would never have converted um, if Jesus Christ was a, a racist bigot like Jonathan makes it out to be, then... Paul would not have converted even if if even if he had seen the resurrected Christ on on the cross because he was he was keeping the law of God he was following the law of Moses he would have been like no dude <laughs> yeah because if if Jesus was to contradict the Father then it would actually be Deuteronomy thirteen which we see in Deuteronomy thirteen it says that you know if someone comes and they do something that comes to pass. Um, but then says, let us go follow other gods. So of another version of God, it says that the Lord thy God is testing you to see. And I, it doesn't say how he's testing you, but context here, it's a test of, I'm going to let them have this because you should know that that's not what I want you to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's how Deuteronomy, let me actually open it up because I think that's one people, too many Christians lean on miracles. Uh, and yeah, they'll say something like, what about this, you know, thing I heard about that I didn't see. I personally never saw it, <laughs> but you know, I heard some people that said some people, you know, it's confirmed, right? Well, bro. Yeah. I mean, didn't Paul say that we don't flesh uh, wrestle against flesh and blood? Um, where's it at? Deuteronomy 13. I know how to use my computer. I promise. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord. Your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Amen. Right. So Amen. are you going to follow what your eyes see? 
even if it does come to pass and if it does happen, or are you going to follow what you know I've, I've, I've revealed to you, what I've that's made known to you. Yeah. Amen. All right. So yeah, that's why yeah, I say you, you, you're better off. You're better off getting your theology from the, those three dudes. Uh, I think they call themselves Hanson. Hmm, uh, original tongue speakers. Yeah. They were the first ones to hit you with that. That's that's much better. That's much better theology than than Jonathan. They've Blake. lost their rhythm in in today's Pentecostal churches. There's no rhythm now. Now it's just rakasha rakasha. You know, I'm not. It, yeah, now it's two words very fast. <laughs> now, now it's just two words repetitively. Uh, you know, let's just say two words very, very quickly. These words cannot be found in any dictionary in any language. First, it was across the globe. and then uh, I think Kid Rock <laughs> went a little Pentecostal when he said "ba with the bada bang the bang boogie boogie boogie." That's what he said. He said "ba with the bada bang the bang boogie." There were some other words or, or, after. Or, or the or the Run DMC. I said a hip hop a hip. Hip it to the hip, hip bop it, don't stop it, rock it to the bang bang. It's a bop, Woo! We should probably open up the Bible now. People that are tuning in for the first time ever are like, okay, what is happening? We haven't even done a proper introduction. Like, hey, guys, like this, share, and do all those things. And the reason why, if you're new here, we don't do that often is because we're not really YouTubers. We're these two guys that love Jesus, and we've got webcams, and we know how to get online and do the bare minimum, like put the Bible on screen. Yeah. By all means, we will never be <laughs> unless we bring on somebody <laughs> that knows how to make this look legit and run legitimate. Like, I honestly believe if we did bring a prof uh, a producer on, he would be aggravated for a while with us because yeah. we are two just grown children. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we need to stay on these topics. We need to be <laughs> we need to know what we're doing. Two fully grown children with 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 baby boys. Um, and, and we we relate to our our young children more than we do to most adults. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. I'll tell you right now. That is absolutely the truth. Um, oh, I yeah, just man. pumped. I just bumped my wire. I hope that didn't give everybody a loud shock in their ear. All right. So we are reading Colossians. And so JD decided to go to Colossians. So let me ask you, JD, before we dive into Colossians, um, is there anything you, what, what, what made you want to come over here? Is it, is it something you're reading currently or you just really wanted to get yeah. into it? No, again, you I always, uh, you know, Colossians is a study that I've, 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 Colossians and Galatians are the the two um, epistles of Paul I've studied in the most depth. And why Colossians is again, we're going to see the fullness of the Godhead. We're going to see the triune God of Scripture as described by the Apostle Paul. We're going to see the problem of sin. We're going to see the human condition. Um, as we see in Colossians chapter one, we were once alienated. We were once enemies of the cross. We were once enemies of God within our own minds because of our wicked thoughts and our wicked deeds. Um, and again, I always say to people, this is how we address. Uh, this is the gospel in a nutshell. And Paul delivers this message to the church at Colos because of their unbelief and also because of them being puffed up. Um, so we've got a very much today, if if there was an epistle that would be read out to the Americans out loud, um, I firmly believe it would be Colossians, um, purely because we sometimes get puffed up with what we think we know and um, don't keep it simple when it comes to delivering the gospel. Jesus Christ paid it all, and Paul makes it unequivocally clear in this epistle 
Um, and moreover, he deals with those four questions that we all ask in life. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is the world so broken? And how do we fix it? And this epistle pretty much sums up those four questions. And again, I've said this to people before, uh, as I've gone into, uh, you know, invited to preach at, at various places. This is this is a, a passage I go to often because it doesn't matter where you are, what your worldview is, what your belief system is. At some point in your life, you ask the question, who am I and why am I here? And 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 this is this is how Paul addresses that that those questions who am i why am i here uh why is the world so broken we all ask questions like how can people be so evil uh, you look at certain characters in history and you're like how how does anyone become that evil how do they give themselves over to that amount of darkness and it's addressed right here um again i saw someone in the comments earlier say they, they fell into sin this week and they feel so unworthy. Um, again, falling into sin is a, a good reminder to stay humble. It's a good reminder to point us back to the cross. Um, and when we fall short, we realize that, you know, as, as Mike also put in the chat, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So your sin is not meant to make you feel like you are, are not worthy of God's love, but it does make you feel like you're unworthy of his grace. Um, and what do I mean by that? Is His grace is, is unmerited. His grace is given to us, not because of something we've done or haven't done. Um, and that's the biggest misconception. Uh, Mike and I both come under attack all the time for preaching eternal security. We come under attack for saying, what have you done for God today? When, and people take it completely out of context and they're like, oh, well, what are you saying? Again, all we're saying is, Question yourself before you question others. Um, what did Jesus say? Remove the log from your own eye before you try and remove the splinter from your brothers. Um, or, I mean, I was I was doing some homework this last weekend, going through a lot of, of my brother's videos here. Um, just the comment section. Some of the comments are so, so disheartening because you... You can literally tell you can literally take from the comment that this person has not watched the 10-minute video. They have not watched the five-minute video. They've watched four or five lines and they've made an assertion. They've made a claim. Um, again, being addressed in the very same video sometimes. Um, which is this is what's happening in the body of Christ. People are so quick to to cast stones and wanting to correct someone else for preaching. But here, here's the thing. They're not on the street corners. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not bringing people to Christ. They're not handling the word of God with respect. Um, and again, they don't stand on the, the wall we stand on. God's word is everything. God's word is our foundation. Without the Bible, um, and you've just recently addressed it again with Voice of Reason, the Catholic one, uh, with Second uh, Thessalonians 2.15, um, really not what that passage means at all. <laughs> Paul is not saying, yeah, go ahead and listen to anyone outside of the Bible and take what they say um, as scripture or as God's authority, because that's not what Paul's saying. Um, and again, you've, you're, 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 you've addressed that. And um, all of this has pointed me to uh, going through Colossians tonight. So that's the long version. <laughs> <laughs> So while you were talking, right, you know, I never stopped thinking of stuff. You said something about our Lord and Savior that made me think about him. 
and um about how we, we we you said it's good that you sin sometimes because it and I know what you meant that it reminds you to be humble and I started thinking and, and guys uh, you know I got to preface this because people love to take my stuff out of context this is just Mike thinking right Mike, Mike thinking out loud your brother just a brother in Christ can I talk can I talk without being worried about recordings right of, look what he's saying but what if God's perfect design is the broken Christian because if he would have made us perfect immediately, pride is still possible, like Lucifer thinking he's entitled to something. But by allowing us to be broken and making redemption go through a course of pain, it will create a humble perfection. Because when he makes you perfect, you've already been humbled. You know you're not entitled to the perfection because it was only by his grace you didn't deserve it. And therefore, in your perfection, there's no pride. Because if you just make us perfect, what did he say about Lucifer? You were perfect. And then his pride. I'm the wait, you're going to love them as much as you love me. I'm perfect. But because we had to go through the dirt. So I'm not saying God made a plan that involved sin. So therefore, sin was something he planned. But rather, knowing that sin would be a part of it, using that to make us the best version of ourselves. Just something that's so while you were talking that whole time, that's what I was over here <laughs> running through my head. So that's why I'm over here like looking around because that's my head thinking moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true it's true i mean if we we we, we can walk you could be walking through a a field of of beautiful lilies and flowers holding your wife's hand and all of a sudden a thought can pop into your head that had no place being there and you're like well, how did that even get there how did that even get there um and again we see that the battle we face um and this is why we so often go to Second Timothy chapter two. We're soldiers, and 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 our our warfare and the weapons of our warfare have got nothing to do with the flesh. It's it's always going to be a spiritual thing. It's always going to be a spiritual thing. Yeah, because I mean, you got to think about it. Uh, I mean, when we do get to the kingdom and we're in perfection, we all know exactly why we're there. It's it's that. He's demonstrated who he is to us in every way that therefore we also, in order to be perfect, you have to know, you have to know the negative, right? But to never experience the negative, how can we truly understand the grace that he has and the love that he has? It's just, it, it, it kills me when, cause there's some Christians that you would think that they don't believe God did everything perfectly and that he's playing cleanup, yeah. right? Because they'll defend, they'll, they'll kind yeah. of like turn into like a marketing PR guy, like, wait a minute. Well, you, when people say, why did he do X, Y, and Z? You know, atheists always have those questions. And then some Christians jump into blasphemy thinking that they're defending God. But really what they're doing is they're insulting God to think he needed a defense in that moment. Like he can't do as he pleases. Like, well, that's not what God meant there. And you got to understand God doesn't send anyone to hell. No, no. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. God absolutely yeah, sends people to hell. <laughs> the the text wouldn't say, "Do not fear him who can kill the body; uh, rather, fear him who can cast both body and soul." Um, and again, we we know what that means. The Christian knows what that means. And again, God's wrath, God's wrath will come on all the children of disobedience. This is the emphasis Paul puts in every single one Corinthians chapter six, Galatians chapter five. Paul makes this abundantly clear who will not inherit God's kingdom, who will not be a part of God's kingdom. Because you cannot, cannot claim to be a Christian and then and then be and be living a life contrary to it. Um, the true believers uh, 
will fall. You will fall daily. Um, and again, godly sorrow brings forth repentance, as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We, the remorse we feel as a Christian is a completely different remorse to that of the world. Um, it's, it's like that, uh, you're sorry because you got caught or are you sorry because you know what you're doing is a sin against a thrice holy God. That's, that's the difference. Yeah. I, I used to actually look at it. Um, it's funny because I recognized that kind of obedience in good, great and great leadership from male roles. And what I mean by that is before I even realized that that's something that I look at with God, there was one leader I had once where I was like, man, I want to be a leader like that one day because it wasn't that I was obedient in fear of the punishment. I was in, I was obedient in fear of letting him down. Right. It was a different mindset on why I was following him in the Marine Corps. Right. It wasn't like, Oh, if I don't do that. I get in trouble. Like at work, sometimes you got the boss where like, I do it because I don't want to get fired. You're working for someone, but with a father that demonstrates that example of love, you just want to, you don't want to let them down. Your obedience That's is it. not a requirement. It is you being yeah. like, father, I don't want to do anything wrong to disobey you. I want you to look upon me and smile because you have given me so much grace that I don't deserve. So Amen. I want to do everything I can Amen. to just make you feel like one of those smiles was, you know, necessary and not you just giving grace. You know, and I don't know. You you want him to just you want him to see that you love him back. It's not getting it's Jesus not your wage. Him. Romans 4, right? Uh 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 yeah. what one works for is his wage, right? If you want to treat it like a job, bro, you're gonna get exactly what you earn. <laughs> yeah. Amen, man. Maybe, Maybe we'll read Colossians now. All right. So Colossians. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into uh, it. So Paul writes this uh, from prison, uh, probably around the same time he's writing Ephesians. I mean, JD, JD hit everything important about this letter. I will note as well, uh, the town of Colossae had a lot of like spiritualism, Gnosticism, a lot of like sensuality and sexuality stuff. So you're going to see Paul kind of addressing like, stay away from this stuff. Because it's there, right? And and you see it all throughout Colossians as well as he defends the uh, the, 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 the tongue twister, the deity of Christ. And then he also, again, uh, emphasizes about how we should walk in the light and stay away from darkness. So it opens with Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And then he begins, as always, and this is, uh, J.D., I know I've said it before, but I love that Paul always begins his letters with love. And it's kind of like people forget that. They they open their admonition yeah. with people with anger. But Paul's like, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Amen. So, so let's just, on, let's just, yeah, you've got to unpack just, this because this is why I said to people like you look. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. Oh, you go. So I just want to. So I was stopping there thinking about how I could point it out. But so I love the fact that 
there's things throughout scripture because earlier something was bothering me. Someone commented uh, defending the Catholic position of, you know, against Sola Scriptura and saying like, um, where do you guys get your interpretation from? Do you think scripture interprets scripture? And I was like, is he trolling me? Did he purposely write that because he knows I'm going to say yes? Or does he not know that, that we believe scripture interprets scripture, right? Line upon line. And there's certain things I want you to notice in here. So notice how we have the word of the truth uh, highlighted and then it's comma, the gospel comma, right? So it's telling you that the, that word of truth is the gospel, which is important to understand Amen. because you'll see Paul talk about that word of truth later. And sometimes he doesn't just throw gospel in there. But we know that when he says that, Paul, is a, a, as the author here, is telling you it's the gospel. And then it says, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, right? And people always struggle with what is bearing fruit. But if we read how it's always used, you can see that it's the product that comes from something, right? Because the tree Amen. bears fruit, which is the product of what the tree does when it's healthy, when it's when it's running as it's supposed to run. But if it was a diseased yeah. tree or a dead tree, it wouldn't produce anything. So you know, bearing fruit is a product and he's talking about how the gospel is already producing so much and growing. Um, but yeah, are you anything you had to say? Yeah. So we just look at the first couple of verses again. He puts the same, he puts the same emphasis in, in his epistle to the Ephesians. He puts the same emphasis in his epistle to the, the church at Philippi. And we see, yeah, he says, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. This confirms what we see when we read Ephesians 1.13, that on the day you heard the word of truth, the gospel, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So he, he Paul keeps keeps with the with the pattern, with what he said to the Corinthians, what he said to the, uh, the church at Rome. He keeps with the same pattern by saying, once you've believed, once you've believed what? The gospel. That's why he says there, the word of truth, the gospel. Once you believe the gospel, you are now seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, which we will acquire, which we will receive. There we go. Mark's just opened it up. And you see it so yeah. beautifully laid out here. In him also, you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Sorry, what? The what? The guarantee. guarantee. What does guarantee mean to you, brothers and sisters? What does guarantee mean to you? It oh, means it cannot. It's not a maybe. Not a maybe. Not an if, but. And to add on top of it about God's guarantees. Hold on. Wait a minute. Let's go ahead and add on top of his guarantees real quick, because I'm pretty sure it's actually Hebrews 6. I'm sorry. That chapter people think you can lose your salvation and it actually says something beautiful in it. Um. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Impossible. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope. Man, there's that word again, set before us. Amen. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as our forerunner. On our behalf, forerunner means you go before me, right? I mean, I got to come behind you. If I don't come behind you, you're not my forerunner. You just in a different place. That's segregation. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm with you, Lord. I'm coming with you. Having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Amen. And that's and that's what we see again. Very clearly, very clearly laid out for us here in the very opening of his letter. 
And he also goes on to say, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and, and keyword, and understood the grace of God in truth. When he delivers the gospel to the, the, the church at, at Corinth, he says to them, this is the gospel unless you have believed in vain. Here he goes and he says, the day you heard it and understood it. So how do we understand? What's the beginning of wisdom? How do we start growing in Christ? By believing the gospel. It all starts with the simplicity of believing that Christ died for your sins, that he was who he says he was, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. This is where it starts. And in verse seven, he goes on to say, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in spirits. So we look at these names mentioned throughout Paul. People look at these names and they go, well, what is the relevance? Again, witness accounts. If I come to you and I say, I told Mike or Mike told me, this means we've had a conversation prior to me delivering it to you. So if I go, Mike and I are doing a mailbag and I haven't spoken to Mike about the mailbag episode, then I couldn't address it with Mike and I. I couldn't open up with Mike and I because Mike and I didn't discuss it prior to me delivering the message. So this is, again, we see the message is delivered from Paul, um, but he is, he is confirmed that this is what's being preached among those at Colos. So very, very important. Very, very important. Um, very, very important. Where's my Bible? There we go. Very, very important. <laughs> very, very, important. very um, brother. Very. All right, ready? So are y'all ready for um, conviction time? I need y'all to go ahead and put your big yeah. boy pants on because this next one, Here I'm, I'm going to say something that's going I guarantee you is going to convict every one of you, even myself and JD, because we don't do this either enough. Verse 9 yeah. says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Stop right there. How often do you pray for your brothers and sisters to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and for their walk in the faith? Just being honest Amen. with you, how often do we do that? And is there anyone you think that's praying over you like that? How amazing is it that that's what they are praying for? Not my success and my health. I mean, cool. I get it. That's, you know, what the world wants me to focus on. But how many times do you do we actually take the time to pray for our brothers and sisters that they're growing in knowledge, that the Lord is walking them through? Lord, walk JD through this and may he grow in knowledge. May he grow in his walk. May his light shine. May you keep him upright, right? And and you might, you might. I'm not, again, this is not for everybody, but maybe it is. Who knows? I know yeah. I don't do it enough. I don't do it yeah. enough. Um, so just, it, it's a beautiful Amen. thing to see. That's how they prayed for each other, right? We When we talk about uh, uh, the Bible says, you know, to intercede on uh, for each other, I think we fail to realize what the intercession was about. I, we don't see anything. People ask me sometimes about like when it comes to, you know, praying for people and whatnot. I don't ask for prayers really because in scripture, I never see people asking, but rather just giving freely, right? Like if someone wants to pray for me, they're going to do it anyway. And if you have to be asked, and I'm not saying like you should, all of you should be praying for me by name. But my point is you're usually praying for the body as well. If I have to ask that, then, then maybe you need to just talk to someone about your prayers in general, right? So I'm a yeah. firm believer we should all be praying for the body. Every night when you pray, not just for yourself, but for the body, for all of the brothers and sisters of the faith.
Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and then he goes on in, in, in verse 10 to say, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. How do we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Paul tells us how to walk Whoa, that that's way. Not, JD, 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 stop. I'm going to have to stop you. That's workspace, bro. Chill out. <laughs> I, I sense it coming already. You're about to tell us that, oh, if you're a Christian, that this is what you should be doing because Paul wrote <laughs> it down in a letter. But obviously we need to be very clear on what we're saying here because we don't want to, you know, step into that uh that workspace thing, you know? Yeah, and, and this is what I was gonna say. If we if we see how to walk worthy of the manner of the Lord, Paul tells us in Romans chapter eight, for we no longer walk after the lusts of the flesh, but we walk according to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So that is the manner of the Lord. Again, what did Jesus Christ say? A new commandment I give to you, John 14, we've gone through this so many times, that you love one another. And by this will they know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Again, walking worthy of the manner of the Lord is walking in love. What does he say to us further on? Put on the bonds of charity. Put on love, which is perfection. We see this in Philippians. Um so again, this is the manner of the Lord. Walking worthy of the manner of the Lord is walking in love. Um, and he, he goes on to emphasize what he means in this very epistle. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Man, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Whose might? His might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, again confirming God's triune nature, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred, amen, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Again, Mike and I have done this so many times. We're going to just say it yeah, quickly. We're not going to go too deep into it because we're reading this epistle. But Christians cannot have demons for this very reason. You cannot be delivered. Notice he says, I will not, I will deliver you in due time. Notice he doesn't say, I will deliver you at Bro the end. turned into Medea when he said that. Delivered. 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 You are delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Jesus Christ could not have a demon. So how can you be transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ? How could you be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? But still, somehow, the devil has got the authority to put a demon in you. No. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. And then he goes on to explain the preeminence of Christ in uh, verse 15. Delivered. Go ahead, bro. Hold on. I'm making this very clear real quick. There we go. Just in case you guys can't read that one more time. Just let them just let it soak in for yeah, a minute. Let's let's clap it back together. Everybody in the chat, clap back with me. Christians can't have demons. Let's do it together. Christians can't have demons. Do da do da. Christians can't have demons. Do da day. Because if a Christian could have a demon, then Jesus didn't free them. If Christian could have a demon, it's uh -huh. not there. Right, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting I'm working on it. Working on it. <laughs> <laughs> man 
Anyway, I digress. Verse 15. You, you go ahead. Something, something special about you, man. I love you, though, bro. I do. <laughs> I mean, I don't judge. I don't judge. People talk about Mike's all rude and stuff. I deal with you. Like, that's a, that's an achievement. That's then he goes on to say, to say yeah. he, is the, <laughs> he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Oh, my goodness, Mike. Jesus isn't God. He's a created being. Let's all stop right here. Verse 15, we've we've won the argument. I love when people quote this as if, like, you've never read the Bible, J.D. Like, when people, tr like, I honestly, it offends me a little bit when people think they can throw a verse out there as if, like, the verse by itself, without a doubt, completely destroys my uh, belief, and therefore, I must never have even read that verse. Like, when Muslims yeah. point to Psalm 22, like, oh, my goodness, wait, wait. Man, I don't know why I was a Christian. Thank you so much, right? Let's just keep reading it, though, because I guarantee you there's going to be some uh, context. He said, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before what? all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might he might be preeminent. Excuse me. I keep having a yawn. Notice how when Paul says, I just realized I made it a lot smaller than I usually have it at. Notice when Paul says, um, the firstborn from the dead, and then he says that he might be preeminent, right? So that title, firstborn has some type of connection now to the preeminence. So now let's take it back and look. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the firstborn of the dead. So that means he has preeminence in not only creation, but also the resurrection. So even in the things that are glorified into a new creation, he's still preeminent there. This is not about being created. It's about a preeminence saying, because let's be honest for a second. Like, let's be very honest. At one point, God had to, not had to, I don't want to say had because that's that's blasphemous. It would be believable to understand that at one point, God decided to take on physical shape because he predates everything. If he's eternal, that means at one point he was not even physical. So that means he's the first physical shape ever, the first piece of mass ever, the first piece of entity ever, right? So even in his own creation, he had his own image in it which we know is the revelation of him. It's his word. His word is his image in the creation. Um, and that's Amen. why we know that nobody has ever seen the, uh, the one true God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known, right? So Jesus is the preeminence. He is God in physical form. And that's where it starts with. He is the image of the invisible God. So really the firstborn of all creation is described right there before it, meaning that He's not created. He's just the beginning. He's the image of the invisible God, and God is the beginning. So he's the beginning. If you're the image of what the beginning is, then you're the you're also the beginning. Amen. <laughs> Sorry if I make that confusing, right? But people really try and twist that around, JD, and it's annoying because it's like, well, no, that's it makes perfect sense if you're not trying to. This is Isa Jesus, right? You've went into the text saying, I believe Jesus isn't God. So now let me find the text that supports what I've already decided. 
And this is how a lot of people actually treat the scripture on, on both sides as well, right? People do this all over the place where they've made a decision that is 100%, no matter what. Therefore, they will always keep digging. Like when you bring truth to them, they'll go back to the word trying to find something else to establish their point because they're not seeking the truth, rather ju just standing on what they've already convinced themselves is true. This is why the Catholic discussion is a very hard one. Yes, they no, they they are sometimes run on sentences. Paul is notorious for run on sentences. I don't know if you guys ever paid attention in his letters. He is yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> especially when you do the studies like we do them. So we're trying to like stop at certain points. You'll be reading like, oh my goodness, bro, this is one sentence, like four verses in it too. This isn't even bad on this page. And yeah, the, the the very next passage is also so, which also often gets taken out of context. Now, if you've uh, why we why we are reading the Bible from start to finish is also because of this. We we will see this as we for those of you who are following along with Mark and I as we get through uh, the prophetic books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. You'll start seeing what is is being mentioned here because Paul says to us in verse eighteen, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, what, what does this mean? Yeah, the firstborn from the dead. We see at the resurrection of Christ, everybody who died prior to the gospel being preached to them, prior to the incarnation of Christ, did not enter into heaven. They could not enter into heaven because their sins had not yet been covered with the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb, which was promised, from the prophet Moses, I will raise up a prophet like me, but like no other. They were waiting for this bloodshed. They were waiting for this sacrifice. Jesus Christ being the firstborn from the dead means Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Daniel, David. All of those who died prior to Christ even being incarnate were in a place called paradise, Abraham's bosom. They were not in heaven because they could not enter into heaven, because only sinless perfection can enter into heaven. And we know that Jesus Christ is the only perfect, sinless human being to ever walk the face of this earth. And because his blood paid for the price, paid the price for our sins, they were then able to enter. And this is why we see in other passages that the gospel was preached to the dead. So Jesus Christ himself delivered those who were in a, wait, a place of waiting, he delivered them into the kingdom of heaven. So Amen. there we have it. Amen. So then he goes on to say that in everything he might be preeminent for, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The KJV says the fullness of the Godhead, triune. The triune. What do we see in Matthew 3? We've gone through this. Jesus Christ was completely indwelled with the knowledge of God the Father and the all the healing power of the Holy Spirit. All the signs and wonders performed by Jesus Christ were because he had the fullness of the Godhead dwell in him physically. Amen? So that's what we see. So um... hopefully that brings some clarity to anyone who had some confusion about that. I'm trying to pull uh, the KJV up for that moment. Ah, here it is. Oh, actually, um, 
That's the, that's chapter two. I did that last time I was in Colossians also. Chapter two is where it talks about the Godhead. Because chapter oh, one, okay. it says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Because this is actually, and, and I did that the other day when I was actually on a live stream and I was trying to point to it. I was like, am I tripping? But then I was like, oh yeah, it's Colossians <laughs> two. But yeah, I like the way it words in here with in thing, him. Yeah. The fullness, because that that then connects it. If you really look at what was set up here about um, where it says all things are in him, the fullness of everything is in him, which I believe the ESV is how that words words it. Um, first born of Christ, for by him were all things created that in heaven and on, and that on the in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I like the way the KJV words that. Let me go ahead and go back to my yeah. ESV though. Amen. 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 All the fullness dwelling in Christ. Praise Jesus. Yeah. The ESV says, and in him all things hold together, right? And then it talks about, you know, in him all things uh dwell, right? So cool, cool, Amen. cool. Amen. And though and verse uh, 20, you go. yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. And and through and and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Again, just confirming what I just said, reconciling everything back to himself. So those who were dwelling and waiting in paradise, in the bosom, in Abraham's bosom, um, they could now enter. They could now be reconciled with God as well. See, remember, they are saved by their faith in God's promises. They were saved by their belief in God. They were saved because they trusted in God and what he had spoken. Through his prophets, they believed and they were saved. But they could not enter because they had not yet paid. The sin had not yet been covered. So this is what we see. So he says, making peace by the blood of his cross. So there we have it. Unequivocally clear, Jesus Christ's blood paid it all. So when we say... Christ's blood paid it all. We, no dogma, no doctrine, nothing can save you but belief in the gospel. Believing that you are saved by grace through faith, as we see in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. And above reproach before him. Do you see how important the blood of Jesus Christ is here? Do you see how important the blood of Jesus Christ is here? And, you know, it's funny. I just wanted to add my little two seconds because uh, I still get this question all the time of, I don't know why you're wearing a crucifix. Jesus isn't on that cross anymore. But yet whenever I read the scriptures, all I see is, the blood of the cross, the crucifix, like they don't say crucif the crucifixion or they actually. So in the in the Bible, whenever they mention the cross, I don't know if you notice this, but the context is always the cross with Jesus on it. Right. Like when it says the cross is foolish, it's not talking about the wooden cross is foolish. It's talking about the crucifixion being foolish. Um when it's saying it's a stumbling block, it's the crucifixion, right? And the resurrection, it actually, all of it is one. Like you can't even really separate it at, at the same time. But my point is people act like they're ashamed of the crucifix sometimes. And I'm not telling you you have to wear one, but I've heard people say stuff like it's glorifying death. You, you, you sound like what Paul's talking about with the Gentiles, how 
to them, it's foolish. Like, no, it's not glorifying death. It's glorifying victory and how he came into the flesh and died for me, right? So just add my little two cents to the people that act like the crucifix is this terrible, disgusting, ugly thing. Amen. And 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 to the to answer the question in the chat because it's on the topic. This is not purgatory. Uh, Abraham's bosom no. uh, was had nothing to do with purgatory, and there is no such thing as purgatory. We've covered this in in one Corinthians. Mark and I've covered this again and again. Um, so you can go back to you know the yeah, the Catholic playlist. Purgatory and Sheol have a completely different uh, yeah. meaning behind them. Sheol is biblical. Uh, purgatory is not. Uh, purgatory isn't, I mean, it isn't even a place of waiting. So pur purgatory is not described or defined as a place of waiting. It's actually mm. a refinement. They believe in, in, in what's known as it's not temporal. It's not physical. It's, it's, it's something spiritual. So there's no amount of time to understand how long it might be, whether it be a thousand years or 12 seconds. Right. But it's about a refinement of all of your dirtiness, because as even though the blood of Christ cleansed you, you can still be dirty from your own sins, and therefore you can't enter into heaven until you've been purified, um, and that's what purgatory is. So, yeah. and depending on how dirty you are, is how long you'll be in purgatory. So, uh, but again, there's no time. So it's completely different than Sheol. Sheol was people already headed to heaven, but they couldn't enter it because the sacrifice hasn't been done yet. Yeah, Amen. So we see this. So in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Again, putting emphasis on vain belief. There are a lot of people today who have heard the gospel, who claim they know Jesus, but we can see by the way they eisegete the text. For example, modalists. Modalists at, at, at face value, they, they seem like they really love Jesus. But again, they reject God in his fullness. So if you reject God in his fullness, you have not continued in the faith. You have vainly believed the gospel. This is why he says the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, which of I, Paul, became a minister. So again, we see. Vain belief, having head knowledge of the gospel, does not save you. Truly believing that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that he is the eternally begotten son of God, that he is currently the, at the right hand of the father, and that he will come back to execute judgment on the living and the dead. These are promises found in the word of God. But if we reject who Jesus Christ is, we very well are following a false Christ, a fake Christ, a nansified Christ who is not the God of the Bible. And I say Amen. that with love. <laughs> and I say that with love. I love it. Just add a little cherry on top, a little sugar. <laughs> I saw a quote earlier uh, this week that said, um, Christians today act like Jesus said, be the sugar of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True story, man. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right. All right. All right. Where are we at right here? Uh, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. I love how whenever Paul is writing from prison, you wouldn't know he's writing from prison and unless like someone tells you, obviously, and we do the research on it because man, he, he is constantly in, in all of his letters that he's writing from prison. He's literally lifting people up to do what he, what he 
did to get himself put in prison. Um, like, hey, you guys do it too. Let's go. Let's keep moving for the Lord. He says, I, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, oh, in my flesh, I am yawning too much. In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I don't know what my app just did. Um, so Paul's laying out like literally, I mean, he's laying it all out on the paper for him right here. Like I've put my everything into this and, and he summarizes it that. Where's that teaching with everything with wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, right? So all of this is we read him saying in I believe it's in Corinthians where he talks about not uh, hoping that he does not does not run this course in vain, right? He is actually he writes that in Philippians. My bad, uh, Philippians two. He talks about you know work out your salvation with trembling and fear for it is God doing a, a great work in you because he's leaving. He was going away and he's saying that you know hopefully what I've done I did not do in vain. And Paul literally did give all of it. Now, we do know that God had that plan before Paul even came to the Lord. When we read in Acts, uh, God tells Ananias that Paul will have to suffer many things um, in, in his demonstration of the gospel, right? And that's it's crazy that you think about that because Paul also just kind of embraces it at the same time. So God knew that Paul would have to suffer, and Paul was willing to take that on because there's a lot of things Paul didn't accept as far as his— um, you know, his rights are, for example, as a person who serves the gospel, the, the word of God gives you permission to make a living off the gospel, right? You're not called to be John the Baptist. Not everybody has to be eating locust and honey and, and walking around in a, in, in animal skins, right? Uh, Paul tells us in first Corinthians nine, just as the Levitical priesthood was able to get their stuff from the temple. Likewise, the Christians who are a priesthood, Peter lets us know that we are a Royal priesthood in Christ. Um, when we are serving the the kingdom have that same right to share in uh in what it receives in order to make a living right now that doesn't mean a g4 jet let me just go ahead and throw it out there for the kenneth copelands in the world that like to try and take that too far but paul ends up saying i didn't even take that right for myself even though that right is allowed i, I didn't take that right in myself because he didn't want people to be able to hold anything against him. Uh, he also says that like, he's glad he never baptized anyone because he knows that they would be puffed up on that. So Paul's humility in all of this is beautiful. And then he talks about this mystery, the mystery hidden for ages. Now we know there's a lot of mysteries, but what mystery is he talking here? And that is the salvation of the Gentiles, right? Cause he's saying this mystery has been hidden. Uh, for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? And, and it is a mystery. And what's crazy is it's hard sometimes for us to know that, like, I'm gonna be honest with you, we as Christians forget, I think we forget sometimes that we have the Holy Spirit and you're gonna say, no, I don't, Mike. No, 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 listen to me. 
we'll be reading the scripture and be like, I just don't get how these Jews don't see all this Jesus in the Old Testament. And I don't know why you guys over here don't understand how clear the Bible is that God is triune. And I don't know how you guys don't understand, et cetera, et cetera. And you're forgetting for a moment that even if you studied it for 20 years without the Holy Spirit, these things won't be seen. They're hidden. They are veiled. So even though you and I read the Old Testament, we're like, bro, it's laid out as simple as day that from day one, it's been about faith. From day one, God had a plan for the Gentiles. From day one, he had all these things situated. Like we see this for with ease. We're like, this is simple. But then you get frustrated and you forget that the Holy Spirit is the one required. You can't teach anything. This is why I've shared before. After the second time you've said something, there's a reason why Paul tells you to keep moving because there's nothing more you can say. In fact, when you continue to go after the second time, this one's another conviction moment, especially for me. After the second time, that's your pride because what you're saying is even though I've delivered this information, and they've rejected what the word of God says. And if the Holy Spirit is here right now, they've rejected what he said. But if I keep going, something Mike says will be enough for them to believe. How arrogant are we that we think the more we keep trying, we'll have a better chance than God's word did. We'll have a better chance than God's spirit did. We, we, we fool ourselves in that idea. And yeah. the word of God is beautiful. That's why even Peter said, you know, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, what to him? You didn't figure that out on your own? That's that's 2023 context, hermeneutics of, of what, that, what Jesus Amen. means. But Jesus means when he says, ah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. He's saying, you ain't, hey, you ain't smarter than everybody here, Peter. You ain't figured that out on your own. My father gave that to you. And, and ready for this? Think about this for a second. Peter, John, and James went up and watched Jesus transfigure, meaning they saw Jesus in his glory. Like, you know how we talk about how he was, his glory was tinted behind the tint of sinful flesh because Jesus was sinless, but he was made sin for us in the flesh. He was wearing our flesh. We're not Gnostic. We believe what he was wearing, what he had was 100% like you and me, right? So his glory was tinted up until he rose from the grave. But on the mountain, he, he reveals it to them. John James and Peter see his glory. He brings forth Elijah and Moses. On top of that, he helps Peter walk on water. On top of that, they witness every one of his miracles and they still doubted him when he died. Where do we find them before the resurrection? Hiding in the upper room, scared. Peter denies him. It was not until when they received the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, if these human beings can walk with Jesus and witness him do every one of his miracles and still deny the truth, nothing more you say beyond the scripture is going to change somebody's mind. And we need to realize that before we go out there and tell people, stop sinning, you wicked heathens, as if anybody in the world can stop sinning before they get God, before they get Amen. the Holy Spirit. You're not called. Amen. That's why you don't see me correcting non-believers. Like people try and tag me in atheist videos all the time. Like, what do you want me to do? Go tell the pagan to stop doing pagan things. Like they don't yeah. care. Like, and they're not going to just stop because they get told by a Christian to stop. That's why it bothers me when Christians go to LGBT, you know, events. And rather than trying to bring the gospel, they go and they legit set up with the, you're going to hell signs. That solves nothing. It gains nothing. Yeah. It does nothing. They can't stop sinning all on their own. They, if, you, if they could, you could, and you can't. You needed yeah. the Holy Spirit, right? And, Come on. And what does this go back to? The very beginning. 
He said, I pray Preach that me, God bro. give you this knowledge. That God give you this. None of this knowledge is capable on your own. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Right? Amen. So I just want to remind you guys every day that I, I we have to remember that. Like, I love Paul's yeah. ministry. I love his humility. I love that uh, everything about this letter in this moment. But, yeah, I don't even know how we even got to that point, I'll be honest with you. But we got there, and it needed to be said, so we will continue. I think it's because I saw yeah. you weren't back yet. And I was in, you know – when you start doing this podcast, guys, a little behind the scenes, I'm sure JD has noticed this and he's grown. We start to learn like trying to look at each other at when the other's trying to get in and you start learning like maybe signs or maybe you'll notice they're gone. So you start thinking in the back of your head while you're talking. So like I see him down there and he's not there and I'm like, oh, he's not back yet. So I'm going to just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and it's so cool where, where I'm at now because even while I'm away, I can still listen to everything you're saying. And and just on the back of that, like we we – we think sometimes we, we because the because of the knowledge we have because of how long we've been reading the bible because we understand so many mysteries about god way better than we did before we came to god and we understand who god is and his nature and what he wants for his people but we notice that that these people that are outside of the faith um you can see this throughout the bible we we look at the exodus where mike and i are, are right now and while reading through this with Mike again, you know, afterwards I reflect on what we've just read and you see the very same, the, the very same Israelites who witnessed the power of God in extreme wonders and extreme signs. They saw plagues. They saw the sea parting. They saw rivers turn into blood. They saw, you know, firstborn um, boys die in one night, wiped out. And the same people who witnessed the power of God, literally took the gold that God had given them, took everything that God had given them, and they made an idol. They made for themselves an idol within minutes. We see that they're not even out of slavery for a day or two when they're already missing the slavery they were in because of the food they were eating. They, this is the ungrateful nature of human beings. There's so many parallels within the Exodus story as mankind today. We, And this is why we are so anti prosperity word of faith casting out of demons etc etc because this misses the point of the gospel this is not our focal point this is not what we jesus doesn't say go out and make make sure you cast out every demon he also said doesn't go he doesn't say go out and make sure you tell everyone to obey the law and the prophets he says make disciples of all nations teaching them what I have commanded you, what I have. Look what he does. He literally puts his authority in place as God incarnate and says, what I have said. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the command of Christ. Everything before that, everything before that is not relevant to the Christian today. And this is part of the mystery that Paul is talking about. The grace mm -hmm. that would precede the resurrection of Christ is an unfathomable grace. We cannot wrap our heads around the fullness of God's grace. We simply cannot. And the, the, the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, they lean into this when they start giving prophetic word about the Gentiles. When they say, you know, a people who weren't looking for you will find you. Uh, a hardened heart, a hardened generation will turn to the gospel. And, and we see this. 
we see this happening today because Mark and I love Jesus Christ. More than that, we love his word. We love to bring his word to each and every single one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll, I'll be straight with you. If we could be on, if we could have a daily podcast, we would. <laughs> if we didn't have other obligations, we would sit here five, six hours every single day and just discuss the Bible because not because we want to show you how smart we are, but because there, there is so much to learn from the word of God. Um, daily. Yeah. Daily. And I mean, even with, uh, with this exact topic that I brought up about, uh, not going back and forth because the spirit is who reveals. That's why even with my back and forths, I try to make it about everyone else listening. Cause I have no, in my mind, I never plan on trying to convince my opponent. Like if they, if they, if a seed's planted, praise the Lord, right? But normally in my mind, the way my mind works is these people have heard whatever argument I'm most likely going to bring forth. Um, I know a lot of people like, Mike, the way you bring an argument forth, that's cool and all, that's Mike. And if it's Mike, therefore, it's nothing special. Only the Holy Spirit is special, right? And, and what he does. So like my videos, I try and focus on, it's for y'all on when you hear these things to say, oh, that's not accurate. That's not true. Because at the end of the day, the back and forth is really our own pride to think if I say one more thing, if that's what it's about, you trying to convince someone, right? You're going back and forth for that purpose. Hey, if they rejected it, they rejected it. Sometimes Jesus said it, wipe the dust from your feet. And you have to understand that. Um, I love that Colossians, JD, as we continue. I love that Paul really brings a lot of emphasis on knowledge. Um, gosh, I keep yawning. Oh. Ah, sorry, I keep yawning all the day, but um, that uh, that emphasis on knowledge, and you keep mentioning how he emphasizes also the gospels that saves is what saves, and we know that you know being saved is synonymous in scripture to knowing God, right? He, he there's an emphasis that John will say, you know, you, that's not you though, because you know God, and anyone who says that they know God but does X, Y, and Z, and in the Old Testament it talks about, you know, you will know me, right? Um, that knowledge is the beautiful thing that we should all strive for, and that's why I love also the way Paul opens up this letter and how Colossians 2 is going to actually describe it. Before I went over there, I opened this up because what you said, um, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. There's that known Come on. Um, in there as well, being known by God. And, and it's mm. it, the importance here that it's saying is we all possess knowledge because we all possess that spirit, but you don't know anything. You don't know nothing. It's the spirit who knows. And only by the spirit can you reach someone and only the spirit can do it. Like, bro, you don't know anything. Don't get confused that what God gave you is being your own thing. It's not yours. It's, it's what he's blessed you with. Um, and then I saw some, some of the comment sessions saying, what do I do <laughs> if, um, 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 I'm scared to eat people's food because it might have, you know, something evil on it. And this chapter is already open. So let's just read it real quick. Therefore, as to eating the food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. And if you keep mm. going in first Corinthians, he actually talks about something uh, that answers your question, like almost verbatim. Um, and just keep going, keep going right here. He says, uh, 
Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. So to answer your question, there's nothing that someone can do to food, to poison, I mean, to, to, to curse you spiritually. This idea that demons can attach to things and then you can unknowingly get attacked by or get the demon attached to you if you're walking with the Holy Spirit, it's just weird. I don't even know where this idea comes from. Movies. It's a movie thing. Um, yeah, because yeah. God, God is almighty and sovereign demons don't, it's not a battle between Satan and, and God. And if the, if it was, that's not a real competition. Like I promise you that like, it's not like two militaries and one just has better equipment, right? I get that idea in your head, like U S versus Afghanistan. No, it's God versus Amen. an atom. Like, like, like the sm a small little speck of dust. Like there's no thing on the other side where it's like, Hey, Christians watch out. If you eat this meat at this person's house, you may be cursed with demons because it found its way inside of you. Um, so now uh, look, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm going I'm, I'm to be straight with everybody in the chat. Pickles, pickles are demonic. Pickles are straight up demonic. Like we've discussed this. Yeah. It goes without saying. Yeah. Pickles are demonic. Like it's, it's, if you're eating pickles, repent. Like that's something you need to repent of. You need to come. I think it's in Colossians chapter three. We'll get there, but pickles are demonic. Like, I'm pretty sure. Now don't quote me on this again. This might be my just, I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure right after he said that the meek will inherit the earth. I'm pretty sure he said that those who eat pickles will not inherit the earth. I, 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 straight up. I, don't, I might be straight wrong up. on that. I might be wrong on that, but I'm Absolutely. pretty confident that there was something in there about that. In a sense, listen, it's a, I'm gonna it's in the I'll write you the word here and I will tell you. Yeah, it's in the footnotes. You won't find it straight up, but it's in the footnotes. Like yeah, like I eat foods like pickled, pickled onions, pickled cucumbers, these things, like if it's pickled, if it's in a jar with vinegar, um, the vinegar makes it bad and, and it makes it demonic. See, and and Satan attaches himself to the vinegar, you know. You this have to understand why. the translation of pickle actually comes from the Hebrew Satan. So yeah. It's just a misunderstanding. Um, yeah. But real quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but real quickly to that person. Now, if someone was to say that this meat has been cursed, you know, even though it's not, they don't actually have the ability to curse it. Once they say those words, though, you would not eat it because it would be your way of saying, like, I, I'm, I, part, I do not participate in it. That's why I said for their conscience and your conscience. Don't make it seem like you would be ever willing to participate in such a thing. Right. But. Um, I digress. Let's go back to Colossians. Oh, we are back to Colossians. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to start just muting people who mention pickles. Um, like that's, I, can that's actually create, I can create something like an algorithm like, that whenever yeah, they write can, the word pickle, they'll receive they five minutes. Then, so right now, yeah, five, five minutes, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. So Melissa's down in the whole 50 and seeing that I know she's probably said it several other times, we'll just let her not have an episode. So like Wednesday, she's completely banned. Look, see, she helped us out. She topped it off. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I mean, and, and let me just go ahead and say Canada is not even a real country. It's like a fake it's country. It's no, it's, it's a providence of the United States. Just nobody knows yet. It's, yeah. it's, it's a place we send people to train for cold weather just in case we ever have to go to war with Russia. It, it, honestly, if Russia became our allies, we'd have no use for Canada. We'd probably conquer it. 
Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So here in the scriptures, uh, let's go back to chapter two. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Can I just see something real quick? Just want to try something real quick. Uh, interesting. Sorry. Just looking at some Greek. Um, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom mm. are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we got to stop there. This is, some, this is some strength mm. right here. So he just talked about how he's praying for you to have knowledge, right? We're talking to the, uh, the Colossians. And here he talks again about, um, well, actually, let's go back a little bit where it says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love, right? Knit together. So God's working on that heart. And it says to reach all the riches of full assurance and of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Notice the riches, the hidden treasures, which is what he says, which is Christ in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what Amen. are your treasures that you should be building up? Jesus told you build up your treasures in heaven, the knowledge of who I am, get to know me. Mm. Like, and, and what's crazy is people fail to realize that your entire purpose, people ask like, what is the, what is God's will for mankind? If you go back before the fall, God's will for mankind was to know him and to be in a relationship with him. He created us in a perfect place to be with him, the garden. It was just us and him, just me and you and you and me together. I don't know that's <laughs> but like, legit, like it was to know God. Right. But we in 2023, we forget that. Right. So we get so confused because we're so used to seeing the things that we created to have purpose. So we see the office buildings and the jobs and the distributors and the websites and the Internet and the social media and the movies and the amusement and the fun and the families. And, the, and you keep going and all these things become like, well, that's, you know, purpose, 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 purpose. And then when the Christians gets told like, hey, sometimes you have to sacrifice that stuff for God, they say, well, I don't think God would want me to do that. You know, God wants us to be this and God wants us to be that because in their mind, that's my purpose. They don't realize that your purpose from day one was to just know him and be around him. You can Amen. cancel all that and you would not lose one bit of your value if you understood what your value was in. Because last I checked, this is what the Bible says, true riches. And, and here's another thing. How can you be a Christian and not read the word of God when it says in Christ hid is hidden all? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. What, like, if I gave you a book and said, if you would read a book on how to make a million dollars overnight quicker than you would read scripture, you have a heart condition. And honestly, I'm, I, I know that I joke a lot and I might even come off as a joke right now, but listen to me clearly. No one knows the answer, but ask yourself truthfully and really ask yourself this question like in silence, because sometimes we'll answer truthfully face to face in the mirror. If I had the chance to read a book that said guaranteed be, make a million dollars overnight, how quick would I pick it up and read it? And do I not treat the Bible that way? And that means you have a value of money that you don't have on God's grace. Oh, just being honest with you. Wow. Wow. That's that's deep, man. Wow. You would so if good. you if we really viewed the the word of God, the his knowledge and riches and treasures of the value we think it is, bro, that Bible would not leave our side. 
we would be invested in it. Just like we buy the get help books, the get rich books, the how do I lose my tummy fat? Because we love shortcuts. But that's the thing. The Bible is not the shortcut. The Bible is the, the actual path. We always want the shortcuts. That's where you get prophets and apostles at. Because it's like, well, they have authority. They can just tell me what I need to know. Mm, mm. I mean, and it, it, I always I always use the analogy like when you first meet a girl and and you're going through that honeymoon phase of of wanting to spend every waking moment of every waking day with them, you're always texting, you're always kissing and touching. It's 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 that's what it's about. Um and again, then you get to the 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 meat of the relationship where you start to get to know each other. Now this is not just a a physical thing, but it, it, it's it, there's a much deeper meaning to it. And when we treat God's word like an active relationship with God, like this is how we communicate with God. This is how we have daily conversations with God by reading his word, by getting into his word. You will find that those who um, battle with eternal security, those who have walked away from the faith, those who have deconstructed from their faith, whatever the case may be, um, have spent no time in the word of God. They've only heard what's being preached to them and they've taken that as, okay, that's what so-and-so says. Like when people quote pastors to me, such and such a pastor says you mustn't this. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really interested in that. Where in the word of God does it say that? Do you like, show me the scriptures. Um, and I'm not knocking any pastors out there um, because ultimately we're also interpreting the scripture. We're also reading the scriptures, but we also encourage everyone after this life to sit with your Bible and go through the word of God on your own time. Test everything that Mike and JD says. Don't take Mike and JD's word for it. This is the Bible. We're reading it with you. But at the end of the day, if there a question should arise, test everything as first John says. Amen. And then he continues saying, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human traditions according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to christ for in him the whole fullness of the of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority uh, and that's where the King James says the Godhead. It says in him, uh, the whole fullness of the Godhead dwells. In him also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who has who raised from him uh, who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross 
He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, I wanted to f- finish that before I stop. So let's go back a little bit. Um, we're running low on time, so got to be a little bit quicker. Oh, my goodness. We only have 11 minutes left. Um, well, then what do I want to hit on? I love that it it really – Paul really opens up that that legal jargon, right? Because he uses it a lot. In Romans, he uses it. We t- even even the, the term justification, it has legal definitions behind it, right? So here he says, um, you who were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, right? So what do we know? Uh, 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 what does that mean? So dead in your sins means that we were dead spiritually because – as we know, the punishment for sin is death. And when we died spiritually, when we sin, we're, we're, Adam has sinned and we are all dead spiritually. We are all separated from God. Death has entered uh, uh, mankind because of him. It has entered the world because of sin. And then it says, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, which is the new heart. The spirit enters the man of God, enters the woman of God, enters us when we become uh, uh, indwelt with the Holy Spirit and you have a new heart. You're circumcised of the heart. This is what he just described a moment ago. And then it says, even though you were like that, God made you alive together with him. So he comes into the flesh and raises so that you can be conjoined with him and live. And he has forgiven us all our trespasses. Does it say all of our past trespasses? No. It says all of our trespasses. All. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Romans 8 emphasizes that uh, who can bring forth a charge against his elect? For it is God who justifies. Because if he's the judge and he's the prosecutor and he's the lawyer, who else can bring forth a charge if he's found you guilt? I mean, innocent. If he has canceled the record of debt. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Your punishment, your record of debt for all time. Because here's what the thing is. You can't go to this and then say, well, that only counts for the sins you had up until the moment you came to the cross. Now, when you walk away from the cross, any sin, like seriously, if I have anybody that's Catholic that follows me, I want you to hear what, what your doctrine your doctrine teaches, that I can come to the cross and I get cleaned by his blood, but then when I walk away, I can get dirty from other sins and I have to go back and get more. However, it says here that the can- he canceled the record of our debt for sin by nailing it to the cross. And I want you to think about something. Unless Jesus was dying right now, that's that 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 record that's canceled has to transcend time because he got on the cross 2000 years ago. So seeing that it transcends time, why are you telling me that somehow the scripture never says it, but you say that this that only works up until I come to him. So when I come to him and I say, hey, father, I'm sorry, I, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Like I'm clean up to that moment. Like Jesus's sacrifice transcended time all the way back to Adam. The person who will come to him in 10 years. But yet it only it stops, though. And now I need more of it. That's what I don't understand, because it says here he canceled the record of debt. And if it's my record of debt that he already knew about 2000 years ago, it was the record of my entire life. Not up until December 2015, when I was 26 years old and I said, Father, I'm a broken sinner that what my record didn't stop there. It went all the way until I die. He knows my record. It's outside of existence, outside of time. Sorry, J.D., I was killing time while you were away. Uh, uh, Amen. Uh, A good question here is, uh, 
I have a question. If the dead in Christ, the saints of old, are not in the ground waiting for heaven, who rises first when Jesus raptures the church? Because it says the dead in Christ rise first. So important to know, everyone who has heard the gospel, even if we die today, if I die today, Mike dies today, our bodies go into the ground. Um, you know, Paul says to us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our bodies will be raised up first. So everyone who has died, who has heard the gospel, who has died, although their spirit is rejoined with God, their soul, their body um, is still in the ground being eaten by worms. Our glorified bodies only come or are given to us after the return of Christ. So it's it's not um, it's not referring to Abraham and, and those guys. Uh, it's not referring to those prior to Christ. It's referring to everybody who has died in Christ now. Everyone who dies today, a believer, their bodies still go into the ground. So yeah. hopefully that answers I mean, the question. So in Ecclesiastes and in Genesis, God makes it very clear that when we die, our bodies return to the dust from which it came and our spirits return to God from which it came. And what you're actually quoting, if we go there really quick, I believe it's uh, 2 Thess 4, right? Oh, yes. Um, no, what is this it? No, no. We're, we're, da, 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 let me see. I know... Oh, one Thess four. I don't know why I because there is no four for two. What what passage are you looking for? Right here. It says oh, God yeah, will God. bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Right? Amen. So Jesus returns with the spirits of those who are asleep in the ground, and he brings with them. He brings with him those. And then it says for, well, let me actually just read the whole thing. So we're not going around, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. So those who are dead, those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not proceed those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpets of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. So he mentions that the, those that are asleep will, will rise before us, so we will not be the first. Then he says, the dead in Christ will rise. So when he says the dead in Christ, he's referencing the those that are asleep in Christ. And we know that it says God will return with them. So what do we see here? We see the bodies in the ground. And I believe the reason why, notice the Bible only refers to um, the, the believers that are dead as sleep. So Jesus calls living men dead. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. But he says, Lazarus is asleep. Because I believe, the term sleep is used for us because our death is not real because it's not an actual death. Because what does Jesus say in John five? If you believe in me, you will not see death, but pass from death to life. Uh, uh, Amen. You, know, he says, uh, you will not come into judgment, but pass from death to life. So we experience death like he did, but we will rise. So therefore we are not dead. We are asleep until his return. That's a guarantee of his return. Um, yeah. So just, you know, just add a little, a little bit to that yeah, perfect 100 uh, i love that man i i love how we can uh 
Don't get me wrong, though. Things. I get yeah. that question, JD, because this was a big struggle for me when I ran into the people that talk about soul sleep. And, and I came across mm -hmm. this, right? And, and I'm sitting there. Well, actually, here's, here's why I came across this, because I mean, why Remember. I struggled with it. I'll give the last four minutes to this. The Bible says that it's appointed once for judgment. Right. And Jesus says being cast into hell comes from the judgment. He, he says that judgment cast into hell. And then um, we know that heaven is after judgment. So I started asking myself, this was years ago. Wait a minute. So if I die, how could I go to heaven or hell without going through a judgment? And we know the Bible says the judgment happens at the end. So I studied. I was younger and I learned, oh, Christians don't come into judgment. And I learned that. Right. But as I was you know, studying, I came across the sleep people, the soul sleep people. And I was like, you know, I see where you're arguing. And I think there's a, some misunderstandings that they definitely are, are missing. And um, we should definitely do a, a video, uh, an episode on that. But uh, in a summarized version, I now understand and believe that yeah. the body sleeps while the spirit is with God. Now, those that are wicked, their spirit is not with God. Their spirit is in Hades, uh, 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 which we see in the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Um, we see Sheol and Hades in that story. We know that Jesus emptied Sheol out. So now it's just Hades. And I believe that therefore, and this is where people try and attack me as if it's a salvation issue. I don't believe anybody's in hell right now because the Bible clearly says, or Jesus clearly says that from judgment, they're cast into hell. This is what he says. Right. And, and I can't assume the judgment has happened yet. So therefore, now, does that mean I believe that they're not in some type of terrible place? Yes, I do. Uh, this, the, it says that the angels are there as well, and it talks about them being chained up. Uh, and, and and we know that the, even in the story of Lazarus and Abraham, uh, uh, Lazarus was like, uh, not Lazarus, uh, Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man was like, no, don't let anyone ever experience this ever, right? Like, so I'm not saying they're not in something that you and I would look at and call hell. But my point yeah, let's is, just, let's just put it this way: they're not, they're not asleep. They're not. Yeah. They're not just. They're not in limbo, waiting for judgment day. Um. Again, th this is why Jesus Christ also says there will be gnashing of teeth and weeping. Um. We we know that there are those who have rejected the gospel and woken up in a place that they would rather not be in. Um. And at the end of the day, this is not the lake of fire. This is not the eternal judgment. I think. That's probably the best way to put it because we see Sheol, Hell, um, Hades, Hades. Uh, we see so many references to Hell and a place which is ultimately, this is what we have to know, is it's a separation from God. There, It's the absence of God's love for one. Um, and it's the yeah, then you get the people that ask life. about annihilationism versus eternity. And I always tell people, no matter what, it's eternally separated from God, whether you're conscious of it or not, it doesn't matter. So even if you want to have that argument, um, it, it, it's a ridiculous one to have. Sorry, my bad. I was looking over here because I was bringing up uh, some scriptures real quick. Um, let me go ahead and find it. These are all the moments of hell in scripture. I'm trying to find where it talks about. So here we if see. You out the gospel, then you you're 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 definitely not going to a a peaceful sleep. Let, let's it just says, put it that way. Do not, not yeah, go. no, not at all. And do not fear those who kill the body, but can cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So it references hell being a destruction, uh, uh, which would point it at being in the end. 
And then he also, like I said, talks about hell coming after judgment. I'm just trying to find. Oh, here it is. You serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? A sentencing comes from a judgment. You're judged, you're sentenced, you go. And then uh, there's other spots as well where we see it. Um, after he was killed, has started cast into hell. We're running out of time. Oh, gosh, it's one an hour and a half. We have to end it. All right. But, yeah, so we will definitely talk about that one day. Again. Yeah, I think that's a good topic. That's a, it's, it's a, guys, this is a good topic you, which we should dive into. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I do want you guys all to understand, though. I think a lot of people take this topic way too far to go crazy with it. And here's why. At the end of the day, all that matters is that Jesus wins. How hell works really is not my concern. Don't care about hell. Mm. Um, and how heaven works is not my concern because God doesn't do anything improperly. And I could never plan it out better than he does. So I, I trust he's got this figured out. Like, I don't, he doesn't need my two cents. Like, hey, God, you know, if you're going to ask me, I think what you need is a juice bar and no pickles. Like, my opinion really doesn't change much about heaven. I'm pretty sure God's got that. So, but some people take this discussion down the salvation route. Like, oh my gosh, you heretics. Like, yo, chill out. Yeah, Chill. even even when uh, it comes to eschatology, some people get so upset over eschatology. Like if you, uh, and this eschatology is your your end time view. Um, again, where where we cannot differ is is our soteriology and our Christology or Christology, um, which is the doctrines of Christ and the doctrines of salvation. Um, these this is why we we can go. Mark and I can both go to Catholics and say that's not it. Uh, we can go to Mormons and say that's not it. We can go to Jehovah's Witnesses and say that's not it, um, because it's not it. That's not how you are saved. Um, but again, you know, um, I've put up the click at the bottom with mine and Mark's emails. Um, if you guys want to, if you have any topics or any uh, difficult topics that you would like to see discussed on this podcast, um, obviously this coming Wednesday we'll have Big John Steele, um, and we will be discussing the Bishop Snake in the Grass, Jonathan Blake. Um, so please, uh, drop your questions, uh, email them through, let us know what topics you would like us to discuss. That's definitely one I'm going to make a note on now. Um, hopefully next week we will dive into the hell topic, uh, because it is one that a lot of people have been asking questions on. So we, we will dive into that next week sometime. And again, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have our Bible reading up again this week, Friday, as we continue through, um, our reading. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and God bless you all. God bless you all. Thank you for being yeah, here. No, uh, no, no, don't bless these fools because they're in here talking about pickles. So I, re I recant JD's God bless you for a moment. Um, <laughs> if you get to heaven and you see pickles, ladies and gentlemen, you're heaven. in hell. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm You've just. You've gone to the wrong place. You. You've ended up in the wrong location and you have a problem. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Just yeah. make it very clear for us all. Um, and, and, and we don't play that man. The next merchandise I'm getting is going to be a pickle one and I'm going to send it out freely to certain people that follow this channel. Um, don't worry. The design will be announced eventually. How do I get this off my screen? These words like pickles. Uh, but all right, guys, we're about to go ahead and end the live stream. As you can tell, we start joking around and not taking anything serious. So therefore, you know, we're getting tired and getting, uh, or actually I'm getting tired. You just woke up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I should probably reach out to John and let him know that we're doing a podcast on Wednesday so that he's here. Uh, we appreciate you all tuning in. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, do all that stuff. Make sure you hit share. Uh, if you if you don't 
already know about it, join us every Friday as we read the Bible. We are in Exodus right now. And if you haven't done any of it with us, you've got an entire book of Genesis and halfway of Exodus to go with, uh, to go through with us to catch up. Uh, but other than that, Mondays and Wednesdays, 830 Central. Links in the bio if you want merchandise or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Anything else, JD? No, that's it. That's it. I'm just, you know, the pickle comments are still going. So um, God bless you. Thank you.